Welcome to episode 4 of season 7 of Delving Into Dance. This season is shining a light on choreographers and dancers who are thinking outside of the box. Artists profiled include genderqueer dancer Chase Johnson, queer thinker and mover Justin Shoulder, artistic director and choreographer Philip Adams, and now to Luke George, dancer and choreographer who explores all sorts of things in his work including intimacy and connection. I interviewed Luke earlier this year at his apartment with guard dog Max heard at times in the background. We started talking about language and the importance of communication that occurs in person. Hopefully this comes across in the interview. You know, in person is the best and that's where you understand you can feel each other and because I'm not, I don't trust myself with language, with my language, like uh, fully, I never have and even though I am probably fine, but I just don't trust myself. And I know that I know that I communicate with best with people in person because a space is created and an atmosphere is created and empathy and gesture and body language and all the little, all the signals means they really carry a lot of importance and like, um, yeah, the, the space or the thinking time or the, um, the correcting of oneself too. Like I find that that's actually really important for me. I have to correct myself all the time or be corrected by someone or, you know, like to find the right meaning or the, to find the shared meaning. It also makes sense as somebody that is a mover, mm. that that interpersonal and mm. being able to see responses and engage with responses. Mm. Um, obviously that's such a strong part of communication that many people it's funny because I used to kind of gawk at that a little bit and go, oh, no, dan- like, dancers need to be, like, you can't, dancers can't just go, oh, but I'm a dancer, so I can't speak, you know, or I can't write. Um, like, I was like, mm, no, that's not that's not good enough. Like, that's not an excuse. But the more I go into my practice, even even though I do work with language, um, like that, without being reductive, although I'm going to be reductive, I realized that, and it sounds a bit cheesy, but I realized that if I could reduce all of the work that I'm doing over the years, it's about intimacy and empathy and like, how do we share a space? And that's it. That's pretty much it. And like the other, <coughs> all the other specificities are like, like, particular materials um that kind of come into the picture at different times but yeah like this intimacy with somebody else within the performance or intimacy also with the audience like multiple intimacies um like yeah the the i guess the literal intimacy between bodies um like the the uh, not necessarily. Uh, I mean, yes, the, the intimacy between the performing bodies, but more the intimacy of um, observer and doer, and or not even that. Just like we're in a space right now. You and I are in a space right now. It's actually quite a big space, 
we've chosen to sit closer together because of this recording device and sort of we're sharing we're kind of like it's conduiting us like we're we're sharing the space of this recording device so there's something connecting us um as well as having a conversation so we've kind of chosen to be physically quite intimate and we're speaking sort of at a low level so there's a sort of we can hear each other fairly quietly um like just noticing the kind the kind of um transmissions between people and how people see each other and how people witness each other and be with each other and that may be the performing bodies or that or quite often actually what I'm more interested in is um the um the relationship between the performer and the and the audience and the the I call it a triangulation even though it's not necessarily between three things or something, I don't know maybe it is but the the in a performance where there are multiple watches potentially like anywhere from one person in the audience to a hundred people in the audience or more like what is it to what is it to share that space with each other and um notice sharing that space and what that means and what that feels like and to acknowledge that it's not just the audience isn't just one person it's many and the artist can't control how that what they're thinking or feeling and actually for me it is an engagement with these multiple subjectivities mm. all, like all at once like all all um engaging with each other even even like for uh the act of the audience to um the the witness to notice themselves watching and to be in their body when they're watching and watching through their body and that they can can be observing something from a distance but they can also be gazed back upon from the performer and that there is this acknowledgement of shared presence in that moment which might then broaden out to uh, an observation that the person next to them is also observing potentially observing in this way the person next to them the person next to them but they're having their own they are their own body and they are having their own experience so like how do we share that or reconcile that or or um contemplate mm-hmm. that and there's that sense that um, quite a few people have mentioned to me about that desiring gaze as well and that idea that the audience is watching with a certain intent or with a certain expression or, um, you know, there's an intention, I guess, in their look. Because um, I work with the gaze a lot and um, with... Um, what it is to be um, seen, and 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 the returning of the gaze, which um, 
you see a lot in performance and contemporary performance, I guess, like it's very present in contemporary performance, but maybe not in the history of dance. Um, and where typically the, the dancer is not, um, is not a, an agency of subjectivity. Mm. Um, they're an, they're an expressive object. Um, or functional objects sort of thing. And so, like, reclaiming that subjectivity has been really important um, to the earlier part of my practice, I guess. And now, and, and, and now within that, it has been this exploration of, like, how do you, how do you return the gaze without it being a challenge or... Or, or a demand or a desiring back a need like I've I use I've, I've actually found I've had to really work on my own performance like sometimes I'm like too demanding like too challenging in my return of the gaze and my my, my look back or my um, curiosity like I'm super curious about the audience so much so that I often have like the lights on the audience the whole time because I just want to see them and I want to feel them. And there's been times where I'm like, oh, they're too self. This is making them really self-conscious. Your your gaze, my gaze, or the situation, or the light on them in a particular way. Like, how can we be? How can we arrive at this together? Not in a comfortable way, but how can we arrive at this shit, this this live moment together, and be able to gaze upon each other and be in that and let go of expectation and desire um is it the expectation also around the transition um uh, transaction so the um i guess the expectation of the audience in coming to a space and what they might expect Mm. um, and then that being broken through somebody else then looking back at them or making their i guess gaze um more explicit or obvious by by looking back at them or by seeing them looking yeah uh i do like to i like i I try to um i'm interested in things in the in the immaterial and the intangible becoming visible and that transmission or those desires or those expectations becoming visible. And it's hard to like, how the hell do you do that? (laughs) And, um, right now I'm, I'm doing as I'm, I'm really working hard at doing less and almost disappearing sometimes as a, as the, as the thing to be looked at, um, or not disappear, but to, lateralize and that I'm not the thing to be looked at. No, I'm not the most important thing in the room to be looked at my body. It's about the relationships between things and the things that are appearing over time. And actually like the development of the awareness like uh, of people's awareness of awareness of what they're looking for or what they're looking at or how they're looking at something or what is, and this, and the, the expectations and desires that are in the how and to 
put something there, sort of there, but then also give some space around it and maybe not quite give it to, not as a game or manipulation, but just to put, open a space in the, in the air for people to notice these desires or expectations. And would that change dependent on the audience as well? Like, is that something that is then modified or mm. shifted depending on their response? Mm. Um, it depends. If we're talking about a specific work, it depends on the work and the kind of um, um, like texture or flavor of the work. Like, and the playing of the work, like how I, like the last two works that I made, Bunny and Erotic Dance, I have a very different way of playing them. And like they, they have very different sensibilities. Um, like Bunny, I almost have like a direct relationship to the audience and like almost a sociable relationship with the audience. Almost. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the, the audience becomes complicit or as a participant in, mm-hmm. in either way they are somewhat witnessing, participating or reacting or responding. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it is a, well, I felt watching it was a very clear transaction mm-hmm. with the audience. So in that, I mean, I... When I start that show and when I, and it's like a two hour show. So it's, it's this practice of attention going on the whole time. And I, um, I have to do a few things. I have to, um, build a relationship with the audience. I have to build a sense of trust, um, amongst us and with me and them. Um, and I have to sort of set a certain kind of protocol, um, for how a, a protocol for the behavior of this room right now. And like, so there's, it's visible in the room and people may or may not adhere to it, but their choices around that are hyper visible. Um, and it's not about doing the right thing or the wrong thing, but it's sort of just more bringing, bringing that into light so we can all engage together. And I, I'm the way I'm working during that is uh, I'm listening um, a lot, really, really hard. Not hard. No, I'm just listening a lot to everything, anything, anything that's happening in the room, like movement, breathing, eyes, where eyes are going. Mm. Um, the feeling of how people are in time because it's a long show. Like if there's a sense of impatience or fidgeting or if there's, if people are relaxed or people, if people are leaning in, in their bodies, if people are listening with their bodies, like it's so hard to describe how bodies listen to each other or listen to space. But this is the practice that I'm doing and I'm waiting a lot in that piece too. Um, I'm not, I try really, I try to, I have to kind of um, progress it in a certain way, but I'm, I try to not force that progression, um, but just wait for the opportunities to present themselves of how to 
how to now invite this to happen or how to ask someone to do this or how to suggest let's play some music or um, to take these little steps but perhaps the space or the people showing me how to do that. Whereas in erotic dance, I am now at the point where I don't even look at the audience until the very end of the piece, like the very, very end of the piece, which is so weird for me because all my pieces have had this direct eye contact and direct engagement and regarding of each other. And I've, I really tried with this piece to practice, um, not being the center of the thing to look at, like to, um, displace my role, um, as the, the the key thing, the key information and to be in the peripheral. I don't know if I'm actually, am doing that but it's sort of how i'm approaching being on stage and being um being an embodied instrument and actually what i think about with that piece is that my role is to sort of um conjure or invoke or um, uh, invoke a kind of way of being for the a, a way of being in our bodies and being in space that you that this it's sort of about turning on the space and like like licking the space, like sniff something that we can smell the space, like that it mm. starts to like the whole space, this really banal room starts to become sublime. And like all of it is just like this juicy kind of sensor, sensual, sensorial experience to be in. Is there one that's more taxing in terms of as a performer? Uh, probably Bunny. Bunny, I've um, experienced some very challenging things with it's what it's been probably the, one of the most challenging performances I've ever done. Uh, and I've had to, for a number of reasons, like, um, the level of, the level of care that I have to practice in that room for, you know, the hundred people that are watching it, I'm kind of caring for the whole room and I, I actually have had to learn some detachment, um, because it's straight, it's, it's too much and I'm, I'm investing myself too much in that care and that role of care. And, um, maybe my expectations or my desires for connection are coming into it a bit too much. Like I kind of think of like, a therapist who gets too involved with their clients, you know, or something like that. Um, or a sex worker that is having a personal experience of, of what's happening with their clients. Like something about needing to create a boundary for myself, um, has been really important. For me, that, um, one of the most interesting things in that piece was around the consent um, and that transaction and the different responses from the audience. And the night I saw it, there was a, 
you know, Big Daddy that came out and, you know, clearly knew what he was doing, took over from somebody else yeah. um, with a spanking. Yeah. And it was just this people people's discomfort at that. Um, mm. in, in some sectors of the audience, whereas his response and his um, knowledge of what he was doing and that transaction in that moment, he was, you know consulting he was making sure it was okay he was mm. checking in whereas for other people that was just such a foreign foreign experience and it felt um and i think it was at that point some people opposite and their their faces were just you know they just didn't know how to read that moment mm. and it was just that really beautiful thing i guess around um the different experiences that people are having mm. Um, but that space was still held. They still held that space. They mm. still were present. They were still actively involved. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just a really, really interesting. Yeah, and that moment, I mean, that's why we do that moment and several others is to, like, um, we've taken so long to build through the show to build this some. Um, this level of trust and, and the protocol of care and like, and, uh, and consent giving and, um, and it's very connected to us and, uh, to me and Daniel, uh, the other performer in the piece and, and co-artist creator of it. Um, and this is the point in the show where we start to, um, invite risk further risk, further risk, because there's already, already a lot of risk happening, but further risk and really step it up a big thing where we don't know. And Daniel's been really hurt. He's actually been very physically hurt by that whipping sometimes before because someone uh, didn't know what they were doing and they they just went for it. And uh, we, we had to really work this out because I have to also care for Daniel during the piece as well too because he... Um, he could, he, he's put in some very vulnerable positions. Yeah, far more vulnerable. Yeah, and I have to be if I have to look out for him because audience members don't necessarily know what they're doing. And so it is this like big step. And that night, that guy, to some of us, clearly knew what he was doing. And um, but to others, maybe it was so. It's so like. This is the thing about BDSM, right? To people who aren't experienced in it, it's about violence. Um, but, you know, maybe even if you've read Fifty Shades of Grey, I don't know, you would know that you'd have some inkling that it's about push pushing boundaries con- together consensually um, in, a, in a trusting, conscientious, safe way. Um, and clearly through this guy's body, that's, that's how he was working. But we have had people stride out before and then they just don't know how to handle Either they're not familiar with the whip that we've got or, you know, they don't know how to handle it. But Daniel's had like welts on his skin and, you know, and it's really not good. But he takes it <laughs> <laughs> because he doesn't stop. They don't stop until I tell them to. <laughs> so that's a huge responsibility for you in that yeah, it, yeah, it is, and it's and it's it's a little overwhelming sometimes. I had a few near breakdowns during that show. 
because I'm not trained. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not, this is, I never even entered that world until this, this show opened that up to me. And like part of the research was to explore it in my personal life too. Like it, the two things just naturally started happening together and exploring being a sub and exploring being a dom and and then I worked like in my last year of New York living there I worked as a dom and like that's how I earned money and now I'm not sure if I want to do that anymore I'm not sure I'm having a break from it um even though I can do it it's very draining for me and I sometimes I'm like how do people do this like it's so demanding but maybe there's a way to do it in Portland we did the show in Port when we did the show in Melbourne the very last show some things came up during that show um one was like uh, a, a colleague um in Melbourne uh it really triggered her in a really intense way and she left halfway through the show I think it was the night you were there actually and wrote about it online and that was and I have so much respect for this person and um it was really challenging for me to read those words and I felt um I didn't feel misunderstood. I'm sad that she didn't see the rest of the show. Um, that I'm, I'm really sad. Not sad, but I'm, I, I was very distressed that um, this happened for her and this was her experience. Um, that, that caused me a lot of distress. Um, but I still felt really clear about the show and really clear about what, what, how we're dealing with things about around consent and about the visibility of consent and mm. um, the relationship building and the trust building and that this is a collective experience and that we're we're we're, we're building this together and that I'm not taking I'm not my intention is to not manipulate and take advantage of people. Well, it's a clear transaction that was set up. Mm-hmm. You know, my reading of it, it's it's you know. It's a transaction that is physical, that is verbal, that, you know, there's so many different ways mm. you can read consent. Um, yeah, I guess that's the thing, though, everyone's response is quite different. Sure, and it's made me, it's made us really think, it made us really think, you know, and I really appreciate the opportunity for that and the learning for that, and it's made me think about, like, okay, yeah, so what are all the potential perspectives going on in the room and how, you know, if this, this could potentially really trigger someone and where do we, what's our relationship to that and how do we consider that? I mean, any piece of art can trigger anyone in any way, you know, and we all have to be responsible for ourselves in a lot of ways. And particularly if you're coming to a piece that's about pushing the boundaries of consent, trust and desire through bondage, you know, using bondage as a material, Maybe you want to check in with yourself before you step into that room. Um, and triggers always um, framed as a negative, like the mm, idea of being triggered. Mm. 
Um, but even something that you respond to positively mm. can be, you know, a trigger, trigger as well. You know, like right. it's that idea that it's, I don't know, I, I just think we often, when trigger is talked about, it's talked about pushing somebody in a negative right. way. But, yeah. you know, there, there are positive triggers yeah. or there are things that can respond, mm. you know, a, a response can be valid mm. even if it does push you in a space that is uncomfortable or that is... I don't know. It's a, I guess it's a spectrum as to w- w- what the trigger is and where it takes you. The thing that oh, there was another learning that I had about that. I can't remember, but the thing that kind of saddened me a little bit was that, and I, and like ultimately I want the experience of audienceship um, to continue to expand and I know it's not always possible but I want art work and my art practice to be engaging um, time and space where people can experience themselves experience the, the action action of the work, the action of the work and what's happening, experience themselves experiencing it, but then also get a bit more meta than that, like be able to, to be able to go beyond their immediate reaction, like our, our immediate reactions to things like how can we, how can we kind of broaden our, our um, noticing? Mm. And it kind of saddened me. I was like, oh, the work kind of like failed for this person in that way. It failed this person in this way because it didn't, we couldn't get beyond that. She had to leave and she had to leave and that's fine. You know, we've we've had to stop the show before, you know, because someone is so distressed, not a person being tied up. Someone in the audience is so distressed about, we've had to like pause and have a conversation about what's happening. And ask the person who's getting tied up, are you okay? This is like, what's about to happen? Are you okay with that? And they're like, yep, I'm totally okay. And to the person, are you okay with this? You know, in the audience. And they're like, as long as they're okay, you know, kind of thing. It was amazing. It was an amazing opportunity to do that. What, What is it about dance and art and I guess your practice I mean, there's so much about it that challenges a lot of the normative notions around, you know, gender, sexuality, practice, sexual practices. What is it about art and dance that allows for that? Like, why is it a good medium for that? Or is it? Um, I don't know. That's a huge question. Um, For me? Well, I guess your work for me sits in this area where a lot of it challenges I guess common assumptions or common mm-hmm. social expectations mm-hmm. around body, space mm. Um, mm. sexuality sexual practices mm. I, it, I it my, the current works that I'm making I'm really actually having You're going a break way. from um, dealing directly with sexuality, sexuality or I uh, see, it's funny, like bunny and erotic dance actually don't feel like you're even about sexuality for me. Um, it, it's, it's in there for sure. Like it's like, it's part of it. It's part of the materials. 
but it it's it's um it's not yeah i'm not thinking so much directly about those things even though the they are in the conversation but it's still challenging other people's <laughs> perceptions around those topics yeah. whether are that's <laughs> well, i mean if somebody's questioning consent mm. within that setting mm. you know they yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, not. I, I just, mean, consent, it's certainly my reading. Consent. I mean, nothing sexual happens in that show. No. Um, well, directly sexual in the way that we um, certainly reference talk about sex. References. I mean, some people feel like they are having sex with us during that show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you get if you go deep into into BDSM play can quite often I've tied people up and there's been nothing overtly sexual about it, but it's been this like deeply sexual experience for us because it is, it is about, um, uh, connection and trust and sensuality and sensuality in like, like the whole body turning on, you know, and, and the, the turning on of connection going on between people. I mean, that really excites me. I'm actually thinking about plants a lot at the moment. I'm kind of wanting to like, um, I'm so, I'm ten, I'm, I have like all these house plants just upstairs and, um, I'm so obsessed with them. Like I actually feel like they're my lovers in a way. And I'm really, and nature is like going out, I go on long kind of walks in any environment at the moment, particularly when it's a natural environment, but just sort of like communing with with nature. And I feel like it's some kind of lovemaking that's going on. Bit of eco-sexuality. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Annie Sprinkle. Like, yeah, it's it really, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of interesting to me, this... Um, like personally, I, I know I'm, I accept my sexuality is like a massive part of my being. Um, and so therefore it must, it must sit in the work as either an undertone or an overtone. I'm not sure, but it's more about like the politics of being together. It is more of interest to me. Like, how do we be together? Whether that's sexual or not, like, and I guess like dance is this embodied space. It's a, it's a visceral space. It's a sensual space. And like, I have just have, have such a strong desire for the audience to be in their bodies as well as, as well as the performers. And they're not to be, not to be sitting in a black box, like they're watching television and in their heads, thinking about things and analyzing things like, yeah. So where do you want to leave the audience as they go? Like where, what's your, I guess in terms of that intention, what, what change do you want that to, you know, do to them? Is it just in that moment or is it something that they take out of the theatre, take out of the space? I, I, I find it really hard to, to, um, to say this is what I'm doing with my work and this is what it does for people. Yeah. I, I, I cannot, I, I just can't do that. And I actually don't know if that's my place to do that. Um, or, or even sometimes I'm confused about 
even if I can say what my intention is for people. Um, like, it's funny because, of course, an artist has intention behind them what they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, sometimes I feel like when I say what those intentions are, they sort of feel like really like, like I'm writing a new age self-help book, you know, and I know that there's more, there's also criticality contained in it that I haven't yet been able to kind of articulate. Um, it, that as well too. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm, it sounds really weird, but I'm actually thinking very small picture at the moment. Um, I think it's a, maybe it's a response to where the world is at right now, but all I can actually, all I can deal with is this moment. That's, and that's about it. Like, I don't know if it's something about getting older as well too. I'm not sure, but I'm, I, I don't know how to respond to politics. I don't know how to respond to the environmental trashing of the world. I don't know how to respond to war and terror and torture. I am really lost. Mm. <laughs> And maybe a lot of people feel like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, they're all, I mean, they're all issues that are bigger than us. Mm. And that's like, where do you start when you are a compassionate and connected person mm. to, to changing those things or mm. to even, you know, focusing on them? It's, mm. it is a lot. Yeah. It's, yeah, it can be incredibly overwhelming. I just wonder, I don't, I'm not a do-gooder, like, I, I don't, I'm not a social worker, I'm not a, a missionary, I'm not a, um, <laughs> like, I'm an artist and I, and I, I want, to, want to engage in critique um, and a critical thinking, but actually right now, I think, um, all I'm, all I'm trying to understand is how, how do we be together and how do we share space and how, how do we um, reconcile that a space of many people is full of difference and full of multiplicity mm. and how do, how do we account for that and be, be within that without a flattening or a, um, um, like... Uh, To, to be to get to like a unifying like not to like being together without the act of unifying flattening yeah individuality and difference and like a homogenous idea right. of thinking of community or thinking of mm. everybody that's the same hmm which is really tricky because I keep finding that you know as an artist you spend a lot of time with yourself and then you make this thing and you're the driver of this thing, but, and I'm really, I'm interested in this word collaboration, um, where a room of people, including the audience, can kind of collaborate with each other in a moment to sort of, 
for a suspended period of time in a suspended um, type of reality mm. um, where we can entertain um, role play or fantastical ideas or, or things that we don't know or don't understand or an engagement with form and texture where we don't have to even interpret what that means or mm. come away with a meaning but like how can we yeah how can we how can we progress as people in that way mm. or not or not <laughs> where do we end up well thank you mm-hmm. so much thanks for listening you'll find a list of links to Luke's work and other episodes at delvingintodance.com If you enjoyed Delving Into Dance and you want to keep accessing these interviews, please show your support by following on Facebook, subscribing on iTunes, and leaving some nice reviews. Each Delving Into Dance episode takes over six hours to get to your ears. So please consider leaving a financial contribution on the website. Delving Into Dance relies on these contributions to continue. As always, much love to those supporters. Delving Into Dance also acknowledges the support of the Victorian government through Creative Victoria. Until next time, take care.